This episode is supported by Jace Medical. You may or may not know that in December, drug shortages across the U.S. hit a record high. This is causing severe disruptions in medical treatments, resulting in delays, treatment cancellations, and the unfortunate rationing of vital medications. I know that I have heard in the last few months from multiple mom friends of mine, instances where they have not been able to get medications for themselves or for their children in critical crisis moments. This is so, so scary. I know I've had friends with their kids having seasonal flu cold symptoms, struggling to breathe, and they're at urgent care and unable to get the antibiotics that they need because of these shortages. This is scary stuff. Most notably, one of the short supply antibiotics is amoxicillin, which is commonly used for so many of our children's illnesses. So here's where Jace Medical comes in. They have the Jace case, which is a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that are used for the most common and deadly bacterial infections. And you can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your or your children's family's unique needs, like an EpiPen, for example, something that you would never want to be without, would never want to have to run from pharmacy to pharmacy in pursuit of. So if you want to go get these medications and have your antibiotics on supply so that you always have them when you need them in case of an emergency, in case of a disaster, in case of being a, you know, a victim of this drug shortage, Jace Medical will have you covered. All you need to do is go to jacemedical.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code SHAMELESS at jacemedical, J-A-S-E medical.com, jacemedical.com, code SHAMELESS. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 374 with Angela Lewis. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 374. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Rising star Angela Lewis has garnered many roles in some of the most illustrious off-Broadway play productions to award-winning drama television series. Angela will be making her return as Aunt Louie on season three of the FX series Snowfall, created by award-winning director John Singleton. Her role as Aunt Louie's saint, a drug addict with big dreams in the middle of the 1980s crack cocaine epidemic in South Central LA, is set to showcase her artistic talent of acting. With many appearances in popular TV shows such as iCarly, Code Black, and Ocean Mysteries with Jeff Corwin, Lewis is sure to show the industry her never-ending talent. Now residing in L.A. with her husband, Lewis spends her time between her film and TV projects and preparing for the birth of her first little baby, little baby girl, and she also spends time giving back to charities that have been significant to her, such as the Cancer Society of America, Black and Missing, and the Leukemia Lymphoma Society. So I wanted to have Angela come on the show, talk about being in Hollywood. This is like a rare treat for us. We get a Hollywood person here. Talk about her upcoming role as a mom in Hollywood as she is preparing to have her baby any day now. I also wanted to talk to her about the impact of playing the role of Aunt Louie and playing the role of someone who's so vastly different than her and has such different life circumstances. So listen in to hear Angela share the impact of playing the role of a woman with circumstances vastly different than her own. The contrast of the war on drugs in the 1980s compared to the opioid epidemic today, 
the difference between struggling, I'm putting that in quotes, between quote struggling and putting in the hard work. I love her concept and her theory around this. How she navigates being in the machine of Hollywood and the growth, evolution, and accountability she wants to see in Hollywood. So with all that said, I cannot wait to introduce you to Angela Lewis. Angela Lewis, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. It's not often that we get to have a Hollywood person on the show and someone who's in the middle of like Hollywood life and mommy life and all the things. So we're very grateful for your time today. Thank you. I'm, I'm really excited. Good, good. So tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Yeah. So, you know, professional life is busy, busy, busy. And, you know, (laughs) home life, it varies. Sometimes it's busy and sometimes it's quiet, but I expect that in the next couple months, that's all going to change. Yes. Yes. Busy all the way around. Yeah. So you're super (laughs) pregnant with baby number one, correct? That's right. So when's your due date? September 22nd. Okay. So this is actually going to probably go live right around that time. So so we will be sending you all the baby juju. (laughs) Perfect timing. Perfect timing. (laughs) So you have first baby on the way. And then you also have this amazing role on Snowfall that you're playing. So tell us a little bit about life behind the scenes in terms of playing this really amazing character, dynamic character, who's in a really different place in her life from where you are right now. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, when we meet Aunt Lily, she's really in a desperate place in her life. And, you know, at the bottom, she's like hit her rock bottom. I don't think Lily can go much, you know, lower than, you know, where we meet her. And so she's just trying to find a way to be in the world who she knows she is at heart. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, do you ever feel that in life? I know I felt you know, coming up as struggling artist and as, you know, wanting to be an actress, I've wanted people to know I have all of this talent and I have Mm -hmm. all of this capability and I studied and I have all this skill and I have a degree in (laughs) acting and like, I'm good at what I do and and just constantly getting no's and no's and no's. Mm -hmm. The difference between myself and Louie is that growing up, I got lots of yeses. I come from a very supportive family, a very supportive educational system that really inspired me to learn all that I could and to do my best and that I could do anything I wanted to do. Right. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. until I got out into the real world where I got doors slammed in my face all the time. And, you know, Louis didn't have that supportive family or that supportive village, you know, so it's been a lifetime of no's and a Mm -hmm. lifetime of you can't be this, you can't be that, you can't do this. And so, you know, that takes a toll. And she, you know, made some choices for herself that were even more Mm self-destructive. And so when we meet her, she's, like I said, she's at one of, you know, probably her lowest point. And so when her nephew Franklin gets this opportunity to make some money to come up in the world, so to speak, she jumps at that opportunity. And also she wants to make sure, you know, if you're going to do this, you should do it right. You know, do it as safely as you possibly can. And I know the streets. I might not know the drug world per se, Mm -hmm. but I know the streets. And so Mm -hmm. let me help guide you. Let me introduce you to the people who are going to you know, do right by you or not, you know, take you out, you know, immediately. Yeah. And in that she's able to, 
gain some power, gain a position in life that's much better for herself than, you know, when we first meet her. And so by season three, she's got some money, the whole, you know, family, it's a a family business and the family has some money now. And we have a position, you know, really in the city, you know, and some power. And so it's a fight to hold on to that power. And we learn some things about one of our business associates that kind of changes the game and really threatens everything. Mm. (laughs) And so, you know, how do you keep going and keep building, you know, and at the same time, looking around the corners all the time and behind your back and all that. So my life is not like that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, So I was going to ask, what has been the impact of playing a role of someone who has such a different background in different life circumstances? Yeah, well, it really has given me a lot more compassion for people, Mm -hmm. you know, to understand that everybody is human. And, you know, we are very quick to judge and disregard and throw people away. But you don't know what people's stories are. You don't know what they're fighting against. And so, you know, maybe not step over them or maybe not turn your nose up at people because you don't know. I've also learned from Louis to really go after what I want and to live life unapologetically. Mm. You know, Louis has a lot of heart and she is very family oriented, as am I. But she doesn't take no for an answer for all the no's that she's gotten in her life. She doesn't take no. When she gets an opportunity, man, she just goes for it, you know, and she's not afraid. And even if she is afraid, she's going to do it anyway. And so I've learned a lot from her in that way. Yeah, I think that there's so much value in having those opportunities to relate to people who come from just completely different places from us. Yeah. And it's amazing the connections that we can make that we would never initially expect and the parallels that lie between us. Yeah, man, it's really a beautiful thing when you get to learn from people and from life like that. Right, right. So I know the show is in 1984 or in the mid-80s. So talk a little bit about the similarities between what was happening in 1984 and the crack epidemic and what we currently see happening. So you're down in LA. I'm up in Seattle. I think we have, I don't know if they're to what degrees they're similar, but we have similar situations in terms of drug crisis, homelessness Mm -hmm. that is like unmanageable and so many opinions around it. Yeah. Are you seeing similarities between these two different time periods? And what has that been like? Yeah. I mean, you know, there is a drug epidemic, mm-hmm. you know, right now it's called the opioid epidemic. Mm-hmm. And at the time it was called the war on drugs. The difference is that, you know, in the eighties and in the African-American communities, it wasn't like, oh, we have to help these people who are really hurting. We have to help these people who are victims, you know, or suffering from these opioids. It was like, oh, these are bad people. Yes. They've done this to themselves. Look at the squalor they live in. When really, you know, black people didn't just create they didn't sign up for that they didn't (laughs) they were like this looks like this looks awesome (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) sign me up there were you know bigger powers at play right and you know the government you know wanting to do something you know to in order to fund a war that's Mm -hmm. what it was all about they were trying Mm -hmm. to fund a war and it didn't matter you know who was in the way or what was at you know at cost 
we got to get this war funded. And then it turned into, you know, individuals who were making decisions. And that's the same in the black community. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to make it seem like people, individuals shouldn't be held accountable for their own choices. But I do want to stress that it's not like a whole community of people just up and decided we want to destroy ourselves. That's not ever how it works. Right. And I wish that there was more compassion then like there is today. It's really sad that, you know, we have the homeless population that we do. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for anyone to be without shelter, to be without food, to be without water in America. Right. Right. In the really? land of the free and the brave and the exactly. Et cetera, et cetera. Right. <laughs> and yeah. the American dream. Yes, like, exactly. That's no what I was going to say next. Right. Yeah. The we American dream. Billionaires. The American dream that works really well for like upper class white people. Especially exactly. White men. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When you have multi billionaires, you know, then there should be no one who yeah. doesn't have something to eat. Right. That is the bare minimum. Right. You know, right. so. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. What is your perspective on the life that you've built in contrast to the role that you play and as having a little girl, right? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. this context of you've built, and I mean, it sounds like you've worked your butt off to get where you're at. So you've built this really incredible life. You're about to bring a daughter in. And then you also have this like background context of this woman that you play, who is very literally a woman who exists today in so many places, who existed in the 80s in so many places. Like you're playing someone who's so real. Talk about that perspective a little bit. Yeah. You know, I just want for my daughter to be aware of her choices. And I want to be able to give her everything that I can, but with the knowing that you do have to work. You know what I mean? You have Mm -hmm. to work hard in this life. And hard doesn't mean struggle. Like, I think, you know, 
there was, you know, when I was in my early 20s and, you know, really struggling to be an artist, I think if I had made some different choices, I didn't necessarily need to struggle. Mm -hmm. I think people confuse struggle for hard work. It doesn't always have to be as big of a struggle as we make it. And so I would like for my daughter to have a life of less struggle, but knowing that she has to work hard. And I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Nobody owes her anything. And, you know, if you want something, go get it. Don't expect for people to just hand it to you or, you know, that's not what life is about. That's so interesting. I've never made that connection before between struggle and hard work. And I think that we often look back at phases in our life and think, oh, I really struggled back then. And you really could shift it into such a more powerful place to say, like, that's when I was working really hard. (laughs) Right. Exactly. You can own it really differently. (laughs) Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. So I want to talk a little bit about where you're at right now as you approach motherhood and kind of the impact of pregnancy on your life and pregnancy on the roles that you're playing and the direction for this career you've worked really, really hard for what's coming up for you as you approach this new huge milestone of motherhood. Yeah. I'm really trying to remember to be gentle with myself, Mm -hmm. to do my best, but know that I don't know everything. You know, it's so funny in my early pregnancy, I was really convinced that I was having a boy. Like I knew it. And I would argue (laughs) down, no, this is a boy. I feel it. And so we did a gender reveal with a cake and we cut that cake open. It was pink and I almost (laughs) passed out. Did you have a preference for a boy or you just thought that's what it was? No, I didn't have a preference. I just was so sure it's a boy. And, you know, every intuitive person that I met, all of my intuitive friends, like everybody's, oh, you're having a boy. Even people that just believe in regular old wives tales, just how the baby was sitting. Oh, it's a boy. Everybody thought it was a boy. I knew it was a boy. And I learned that, you know, nothing, Jon Snow. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm really trying to just take that into the rest of my pregnancy, birth and motherhood. You know, I don't know everything. And all I have is my best. And I'm going to give her my best. And she's here to teach me things just as I'm here to teach her and guide her and show her her options so that she can choose. Yeah. So this is like uncharted territory for many, if not all of my listeners. So we have a lot of challenges around maternity leave in, I have a lot of listeners who are business owners. So there's Mm -hmm. unique challenges there. I have a lot of women who Mm -hmm. work in corporate. So there's challenges there. And then this entertainment industry, it's like a completely different situation altogether. (laughs) So what is the impact of pregnancy and motherhood in the entertainment industry? And when you're, you know, in this whole Hollywood thing that we all see from afar and have no clue how it operates. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it varies because every show schedule is different. Every film schedule is different. I was really fortunate in that a long time ago, and I'm going to get kind of go into the spiritual world because that's where I live. Go for Um, it. I told baby, baby energy, wherever you are, I said, listen, I don't know. I can't call it. I don't know when the time is right. When you're ready, you let me know and I'll be ready. Mm. And that came to be. I heard in meditation, I meditate quite a bit, and I heard in meditation, mommy, I'm ready. Oh my gosh. And I said, okay, here we go. When did you hear and- that? 
that was in early December. And so that ovulation time would have been at the end of December. So I told my husband, it's time. Oh my you gosh. Know? And I just want to say that I heard that. I, Mommy, I'm ready five times in a row. And wow. I'm so sure she said it five times in a row. So I wouldn't be like, I think I heard it, but I'm not <laughs> sure. Maybe not. Like, no, five times. Okay. She's from, she, he, baby is ready. Right, right. And wow. I could not have picked more perfect timing. Like I was pregnant the entire season and I was telling people, you have to watch to see if Louie is pregnant. I know. I was actually, <laughs> I was reading through all the notes here. I was like, are we getting to that part? <laughs> I'm super curious. <laughs> yes. Watch. Okay. But Angela is pregnant the entire season and none of my shoot dates conflicted with my doctor's appointments. We finished shooting in June. I'm doing September. We don't go back until February. So that gives me a good four months. So it really was perfect timing. And I have to say that the Snowfall team and, you know, producers, cast, crew, everybody was really, really supportive and making sure I had everything that I needed. And, you know, it was been a really beautiful experience. That may not be everybody's you know, situation or yeah, circumstances. Yeah, I was going to ask if that's the typical experience in Hollywood or not. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I think the women who have had children in Hollywood are a little bit like in a class, like if you think of a graduation class, mm. you know, one or two classes up before me. <laughs> yeah. So my peers, I think I'm the only one. Mm. Like I have a lot of friends who have just had babies, but I don't think anybody's working on a set right now. Yeah. But I like to believe that Hollywood has come far enough yeah. that they are supportive of pregnant mamas. And there are more resources for sure. There's a thing called a wee wagon where it's like a daycare trailer that can be on a studio lot. And, and that's amazing. You know, we've just come leaps and bounds. And so yeah. I'm really grateful to have experienced the more positive aspect of that, yeah. of that evolution. Yeah. So will she come to work with you then when you go back? Or do you know Yes, that? that's okay. the plan. We're still, you know, working it out and right. everything, but hopefully, yeah. Okay. So talk about expectations versus reality of being a working mom in Hollywood. And how has that already shown up for you? Hmm. <laughs> Let's see. You know, I don't know. I don't, in terms of being pregnant while shooting anyway, I I don't know that I had any expectations. The realities were, oh, whoa. One, just making sure the environment was safe in terms of like not tripping over wires, which people were very, you know, helpful with, but even little things like once there was an open trash can (laughs) right off the set, and I had to pass by it. And this yeah. was pretty like in my first trimester. And I like spent 10 minutes heaving like, oh, oh my God, God. <laughs> we have to move this trash can. <laughs> right. This is terrible. But in terms of motherhood, I guess my expectations are that, you know, I will be supported in having my baby be able to be on set so that I can nurse her and, you know, be able to have the time to either bring her to the actual stage so that I can nurse her or have a space where I can pump. I do know that some of my producers are mommies themselves, so I feel like I will be supported in that way. But just in terms of Hollywood, people have been asking me about the whole, you know, getting back to your pre-pregnancy body and things like that. that. 
Yeah. You know, I'm not experiencing any pressures from the show. I'm trying not to put any pressure on myself about it. I do think that I had a very healthy pregnancy. And so I do feel that I'll be able to be in a place where I feel good about myself. Mm -hmm. I won't know until I get there, but (laughs) I do feel that I'm not into putting that kind of pressure. You know, if I don't fit back into my size, whatever jeans, it's not going to kill me. I actually like the curves that I have. Nice. Yeah. Like, oh, get some new jeans. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. The reality is we'll see when I get there. If I start having a meltdown, you know, (laughs) maybe it means I need to hit the gym a little bit more. But I personally am not into more drastic measures to fit any kind of way to be. Right, right. I love that. I totally support that as well. As a former, I was in the fitness industry for 16 years. And so I worked primarily with moms. So I fully support doing whatever you want to do and buying new, like buy the bigger jeans. (laughs) If you need to, you might not need to, who knows? Right. Who knows? I love it. So let's, I want to talk about the importance of showing up Um, And what this is like for you showing up as a strong black woman in Hollywood and how you are anticipating modeling this for your daughter. Oh, yeah. It's a big question. (laughs) It's a big question because it's so deeply, deeply personal. You know, when I think about what does that mean to be a strong black woman? Everybody has a different definition for that, Mm -hmm. you know, and I feel that sometimes in being a strong black woman that takes away from our freedom to be vulnerable, Mm. our freedom, our need to be vulnerable, our need to be human. And I've seen people have breakdowns. I've seen people's health, you know, deteriorate trying to be strong. And, but I think just by virtue of how I grew up and who it is that I want to show up to life as every day. She's pretty strong. You know, I've overcome quite a bit, you know, certainly not the most, I would say, as experiences go. Mine is probably in the middle somewhere. But I want to impart on my daughter, you know, resilience, but also what it is to be able to have the space to break down, have the space to express her feelings, have the space to run around in the fields of flowers and butterflies and just be completely free and happy, have the space to fall down, know that Every time you fall doesn't mean you're bleeding. It doesn't mean it's an emergency. Brush yourself off and get Mm -hmm. back up. Let's go. You know what I mean? Like, just because you have the capacity to be a feeling, emotional human being doesn't mean you fall apart all the time. You know what I mean? And I think being strong is being able to have, to be in touch with both of those things. To be strong and soft. Absolutely. Which, and I think that, Yeah. And I mean, I would say for women in general, there's like some cultural context around that. And then when you add race into it, it becomes even more complex. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's this interesting dichotomy that we want girls to 
be strong, which can put some pressure on them for sure. But we also want them to be soft. And I would say we want this for men too. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Absolutely. We build this framework. And I think that when you look at populations who are marginalized, it's even more pressure to say like, you need to be strong because you're up against harder odds and mm-hmm. your opportunities are going to be maybe less in terms of frequency or in terms mm-hmm. of you know value. And I love your point. There also needs to be a space for people to be vulnerable and yeah. have those and be emotional from every direction. Absolutely. It's very significant. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. So can you talk a little bit about your experience moving through Hollywood as a woman of color and have you been up against challenges that have been unique to you or your situation or have you felt that you've been able to just glide on through? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know that anyone glides on on through through Hollywood. That's why I said it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, the judgment is that once you get to Hollywood, then you've made it and you're living this, you know, excessively lavish life and everything is great, you know, and that's just not quite how it goes. Certainly I'm in a position where my life has changed for the better. I'm making more money than I've ever made in my life. And how amazing is that? You know, I get to live out my childhood fantasy and get dressed up and be glamorous and walk the red carpet. How amazing is that? But there are challenges that come along with that. What I'm learning is that Hollywood is a machine Mm. and everyone is getting what they want, whatever it is that they want 
from that machine. A lot of times it's power. A lot of times it's money. A lot of times it's status, you know, but those I have learned are not things that sustain me. They really don't sustain anyone, but they certainly don't sustain me. And so what is it or how can I find my happy right here where I am in my life? and also be in the machine and get what it is that I want from this machine. I've worked hard to be a part of this machine. <laughs> you know, yeah. the two things do not mix. The interesting thing is that as someone who has wanted to be an actor her entire life, it is a lifelong dream, right? So there's acting and then there's your personal life. And people, mm -hmm. I would go to auditions a lot. And one of the big questions that comes up in auditions is, so what do you do for fun? Or what do you do outside of acting? And a lot of actors are like, what? Huh? <laughs> like, this, is, for fun, this is the whole picture right this here. Is, this is it. Like, I go to the theater for fun. I see plays for fun. I go to the movies for fun. But that's why I was doing it. And But I learned when you are able to have a life when you can say, oh, I go to the beach for fun. Or I go roller skating with my friends every Thursday. Or something like that. Having that personal fulfilled life just only enhances your career because right. this is a career it's right. a long journey and there is no one way to get where you're trying to go and really there is no finish line because right. <laughs> as soon as you think oh my goal is to be on a tv show a major tv show series regular on a major tv show then you get there and you're like, oh, but there's so much more. Okay, now what is my goal? And that goal keeps evolving. It keeps changing. And so does, you know, life. And back to what I was saying, I've just learned that Hollywood itself is a machine. And this machine has been around for years, <laughs> decades. And it needs work and it needs some, there's evolution that's happening, but that's a slow evolution. Mm -hmm. And so how can I get what I want from the machine and still have a happy life that sustains me, that lifts me, that fills me. Two totally different things. Yeah. How would you like to see it evolve and grow? You said there's changes that are happening and more that need to happen. Yeah, I would love to, you know, we're at the beginning. We're in, you know, the Me Too movement that mm -hmm. exists even outside of Hollywood. But, you know, that struggle is real. Yeah. You know, I hear more and more really scary stories from some of my colleagues and, you know, about people. You don't have to be healthy to be in Hollywood, you know, and there are people who have a lot of darkness, a lot of emotional, mental things that they carry with them into their work. And, you know, making movies and television is a collaborative effort. Nobody is doing this on their own. Right. And so when you involve other people, you know, when you bring them into your issues, it's ugly and it's scary. And, you know, there's a lot of neuroses and <laughs> things that go into it and a lot of, you know, need to be in power at the destruction of other people, whomever is in your way. And a lot of times that's women. A lot of times that's women. It's women in what's it's women who are in your way or people are in the way of women. <laughs> Both. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean, you know, when you hear about 
directors or casting directors or producers who victimize these women, whether it's, yeah, whether it's intentional or not, there is something that's happening on the inside of them that allows for that abuse. Mm -hmm. And so I think as we fix Hollywood, we're fixing other aspects, other, you know, work environments yeah and we're fixing humanity this is a human issue right right (laughs) and i mean i think it's great well i mean (laughs) i don't know that i'd say it's great but it's powerful (laughs) that hollywood is under a microscope i was going to say it's great that hollywood's under the microscope not necessarily great but (laughs) it's powerful because i do think that people see that as a place where people are untouchable Mm -hmm. and where there's no faltering of people in power and we're learning that that's not true and that right. people, people are going to be held accountable and that people are going to get called out and we need to see yeah. that happening. And we see it happen in yeah. those big contexts like that. It yeah. allows people in much smaller contexts to speak up for themselves, stand up for themselves and find their own power, which is, is obviously so important. Absolutely. And I would add to that, that my wish is that everyone is held accountable in the same way because <laughs> my experience you know, or maybe not my direct experience, but what I'm learning is that people of color are held accountable and fired and lives destroyed. And then white men, they get caught and they get on TV and they get ridiculed and they might lose their jobs, but they're still making billions of dollars. Right, right. Yeah. You know, and give it five, 10 years they'll be back or the companies that they own have not disowned them. They're still getting pieces of the pie. We just don't see it. And you know, that's not equality. Yeah. No, no, (laughs) not equality or equity. Right. Right. So how are you currently showing up as a shameless mom? Final question. You, I hope you have something really, really good, but no pressure. No kidding. How am I showing up as a shameless mom? This is an interesting one for people who, before they have babies, but I would argue that from the moment you are pregnant or even considering it, you are already like taking on the identity of motherhood. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, it's interesting that everyone has an opinion on how you should nurse your child, (laughs) what products you should be getting. Everybody has an opinion on everything, how you should give birth. Mm -hmm. And the way I'm showing up as a shameless mom is that I have made choices for myself and I'm going to stick to those choices. And I don't know everything, but I have an intuition in addition to resources that I utilize. And so no one is going to shame me for what I believe. I personally believe that birth doesn't have to be scary and tight and... It's not that there isn't going to be fear that creeps in, especially when you've never done it before. This is the first time. It's not that there won't be pain. It's not that there won't be excruciating pain. (laughs) But I believe that there is a gentler way to do it. And I am not going to feel ashamed that I have that, that desire to have a birth that is not filled with you know, medicine and scary machines and, you know, all that. And this is without judgment for people who do want to have epidurals and they know immediately, no, this is what my plan is. Mm -hmm. 
This is not in judgment of anyone who wants to bottle feed their baby or in judgment of people who, you know, have had troubles with breastfeeding or who feel like you shouldn't breastfeed in public. This is about me living my life unashamed of how I want to live it and how I want to have my pregnancy go and how I want to visualize my birth and my daughter's introduction into the world and how I want to mother her. And of course, things will change and I'll roll with the punches. But this is what I want to visualize. Yeah. And I am unashamed of that. I totally relate to that because I was very much like that when I went into my childbirth with my son. And I was very shameless about my identity around the whole thing. And I had a lot of plans. And as soon as he was born, as soon as he was born, I was like, if we do this again, there will be all the drugs in the world. (laughs) So So I was like, I also reserve the right to change my mind about everything. Exactly. (laughs) But no, I love that. And I love that you have clarity around that. I think that's so important. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. So this has been great, Angela. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you sharing your unique perspective. This is fun to hear someone in just a really different world than a lot of our other guests um, and Mm. to hear your perspective. And also it's really interesting just to see the parallels between different industries that like a lot of the struggles are the same. And so (laughs) I just appreciate you showing up as your most authentic self and sharing today. Mm. Tell us where people can find you and connect with you. Yeah, so I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Love Angela Lewis, L-U-V Angela Lewis. Got it. We will have that linked up in the show notes and we wish you all the best as you welcome little girl. I can't wait to hear more. I'll be stalking that Instagram for that birth announcement. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Mamas, before you carry on with your day, do not forget to pop over and grab your Shameless MomCon 2020 tickets. They are on super sale with a special discount for buddy tickets for a very limited time. Go over to shamelessmomcon.com to get your tickets today. That's shamelessmomcon.com. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.
Real truth alert, pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were, but the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist, Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions. All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.